Welcome back to Is It Horror? This is Season 2, Episode 7, Willow. I'm Joe. I'm Mad Madigan. I'm Mitz. And I am Steve. If you haven't joined us before, each episode we analyze a piece of media, usually a movie, whose horror status is debatable. We look at the creator's intent, audience reception, and the content of the media, all in an effort to better define the horror genre. If you agree with our take, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome too. Horror is a diverse genre, and all are welcome. And uh, before we get into our movie, we are going to go to Joe's Get to Know You Corner. Joe? Right. Uh, welcome to the corner. Um, so, with Willow, I was thinking there's a lot of, or several big names in it, and, you know, Val Kilmer and uh, Warwick Davis. And so, in the, like, what's your favorite Val Kilmer uh, role sort of way? Or I was thinking we could do Mary Bing Kill, uh, Mad Mardigan, Iceman, Iceman, or uh, Doc Holliday. Or, if you like Warwick Davis better, we could do Willow, Wicket, and Professor Flitwick. Uh, or if there's other uh, iconic roles that either, either of them have that you guys are more familiar with, feel free to substitute. Oh, I'm going to substitute, buddy. You just you just wait. Oh, well, I'm waiting. But actually, I'm going to... I guess I, I'll go first. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um, let's see. Okay, so I guess doing... Uh, Val Kilmer first. Um, so I think, I don't know, I, I guess they're not entirely different roles, but um, I was thinking, like, I like Doc Holliday's humor, so maybe marry him. Mad Mardigan is probably fun for a little bit, so bang him. And I guess Iceman seems, you know, cold as ice and willing to sacrifice. So maybe not. Maybe we'll just kill him. And then for Warwick Davis, I was thinking, well, I uh, I kind of went back and forth a little bit on a few of these. But uh, let's see. So I was thinking for kill, I would par- probably kill Willow, actually. And then uh, bang Wicket because he seems cuddly and fun. And maybe Mary Flitwick. And I was trying to think of a clever thing to go along with that. Like, you know, he could uh, levitate my wand sort of thing. Um, (laughs) But then I thought, I started thinking too, like, he probably knows a lot of spells. And then I was like, well, there's like Petrificus Totalis. Then I was like, well, why is it Totalis? Couldn't it be like Specificus? And just, you know, a specificus areas of the Petrificus, <laughs> if you get my meaning. Petrificus phallus. Could you yeah. explain yeah. <laughs> exactly what your meaning is, please? Thanks. I think Petrificus phallus uh, seems the best of use of that. Petrificus yodicicus. <laughs> <laughs> Both good options. <laughs> if it lasts more than four hours, see Dumbledore. <laughs> And Dumbledore so those are mine, said you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbledore, have a good evening tonight. <laughs> Ten points to Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Oh, I guess it's my turn. Um, I don't know. Um, I was going to say Mary Wicket. Gotta definitely bang Professor Flitwick because the man can swish and flick, you know what I'm saying? And then, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess Kill Willow, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard, like, when you think about them relationship-wise. <laughs> um, I mean, he really doesn't do much as Wicket, really, he's just in a suit. So, but I think I like Willow the most, but that's my Mary Bang kill on them. And I don't really have opinions too much on Val Kilmer, because... I only very recently saw Top Gun for the first time, and uh, this is my first time watching Willow, and I don't know what Doc Holliday is, admittedly. Tombstone. <laughs> okay, I've not seen that either, so there you go. He's a classic old West gunslinger dying of consumption the whole film through. And he'll be your Huckleberry. Which means he'll shoot you and kill you, if you want. Well, I guess I've got to kill him then, because I don't want him to kill me first. Um, I guess that's me. So for, I guess for Warwick Davis, I would go marry Willow, because he's just so sweet and loyal. Um, I don't know, I guess. I don't really want to bang Wicket, that seems immoral, but... <laughs> I just want to like pet him. Okay, can that that's going to be mine. Pet Wicket. And I guess I'll kill Professor Flitwick. I feel like as a fellow teacher, it would just be too much competition. We could not be together. <laughs> um and for Val, I also haven't seen Tombstone, but I know who Doc Holliday is, so I'd probably marry Doc Holliday. Bang Mad Mardigan because I, I he's probably he would probably be my favorite of the three, but you just know he smells. So you know I don't want to <laughs> spend my whole life with him. And That's fair. Kill Iceman because I've never seen that movie either. So. So, mine is going to be very money motivated. Here we go. I'm first off. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bang Mad Mardigan. Because he's good for a fling, but he's not the guy you bring home, you know? Right. Unless he's cross-dressing, I guess. Fair. And then I'm gonna kill Doc Holliday, but that's when I'm ready to die, and he and I'll have an epic gunfight to the death, because I guess that'd be a good way to go. And then I'm gonna marry Iceman for the money, because he's got that career trajectory, he's in the Air Force, that dude's gonna have money, so, you know, even if I don't like him, we got the money. So that's gonna be great. That's true, and he'll, he'll probably be gone a lot, too. Yeah, he'll be gone a lot, and then I can go back to being straight. So, yeah, I can do that while he's gone, and, and that'll be okay. He's got, a, he's got a busy schedule of having shirtless volleyball beach matches, so... Yeah, fair. And then uh, for Warwick Davis, I am going to, I guess, bang Willow because he seems nice, but I don't want to ruin his family and break him up entirely. So we'll just have that one night stand while we're busy saving, you know, people out in the woods. And then uh, 
Wicked, I guess I'll kill because I just because he's a teddy bear and I don't really want to sleep with a teddy bear or marry a teddy bear. So there's that. And then once again, I'm going to marry Professor Flitwick because he's got that Hogwarts professor money and he's pretty busy. And, you know, he lives at the castle during the school year, but I don't have to. So, you know, while he's away, I'm going to play. He's probably got tenure, too. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the other thing, though, that I am going to make mention of is that Warwick Davis's other big role that we can't fail to mention on a show that involves the word horror in the title is his playing Leprechaun for numerous entries in the Leprechaun series. And to his Leprechaun character, I say marry, bang, and kill all three of those. All three <laughs> of those we're doing. <laughs> so that's just that just feels Hopefully right. Hopefully not at once. Maybe at once. I don't know. It's going to be crazy. He goes to space. He goes to Vegas. He goes to the hood twice. So it's just, it's going to get crazy. <laughs> I, I thought about including Leprechaun, but I actually haven't seen any of those movies. So I, uh, maybe that was a selfish choice of me. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've seen, I thought to myself, that was one where I was like, I'm going to watch this whole series. And uh, I watched through the third one, and I intended to go on to the next one because the next one's in space. But everyone said, from what I could see, that most people regard the third one, Leprechaun, basically, it's not called Leprechaun Goes to Vegas, but it's Leprechaun 3, but he goes to Vegas. Most people regard that the best one, and I was like, if this is the best one, oh, God, uh, maybe I'll pause for a second and come back to it, and I haven't come back to it. <laughs> Well, that uh, that felt like a productive uh, use of the corner. We've learned a lot. We've grown as people, or shrank as people. I don't know. It's hard to say. Maybe we've maybe we've regressed emotionally. Maybe. <laughs> All right, on to the main event. Uh, in honor of Willow's return on November thirtieth to Disney Plus in the form of a Disney Plus series. We're going to be talking about 1988's Willow. And uh, as far as the background on that, so we've got this story by George Lucas. Uh, he had been working on this concept for, I guess he says, about 15 years previous to all of this. Obviously, I'm sure you know his credits, but we'll say just because I find it interesting. He's only directed six films, which was THX 1138, American Graffiti, the original Star Wars Episode Four. And then a uh, few decades, well, I guess, let's see, what's that come out to? About two decades later, approximately, the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Uh, he, did, he did take a hiatus from directing from Star Wars and uh, between those Star Wars films. So during that time period, he was kind of more focused on uh, producing and his special effects company and stuff like that. So when he had the idea for Willow and it was during kind of that time period, he instead was looking for someone to direct it and someone to write it. And uh, he'd already worked with Ron Howard on American Graffiti. And at that point, Ron Howard had directed Cocoon, which had some good success with it. And so uh, he turned to Ron Howard for the directing chores for Willow. And uh, the more I kind of researched into this, the more it at least is my personal opinion, not confirmed by anything. And I do have some quotes to share on it that it seems like they kind of co-directed it. 
So, uh, yeah, it's Ron Howard, but maybe it's also George Lucas directing it a little bit. Um, if you haven't seen Ron Howard's stuff, then, of course, as I mentioned, he directed Cocoon, uh, Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, The Da Vinci Code. Uh, he also he started out as an actor before that. I uh, was on Happy Days and, of course, as I already mentioned, American Graffiti. And uh, you may know him as the narrator on Arrested Development, which he does. Just He just crushes that every single time. The audience did know that. The audience did know that, yes. Very good narrating. <laughs> and then uh, the writer was Bob Dolman, who he was kind of selected, as I understand, by Ron Howard. He worked a lot in TV, so he did WKRP in Cincinnati and uh, SCTV Network. And uh, as far as films go, uh, this Willow was his first film work. As far as I understand it, and uh, he also directed Far and Away, where he worked with Ron Howard again, and also the Banger Sisters, which is not at all what it sounds like if you're familiar with it. I wasn't, but look at the poster. It's not what it sounds like. So anyway, there's that. And then uh, we'll go for the back of the box description. When young Willow Offgood finds an abandoned baby, he is suddenly thrust into an adventure filled with magic and danger. According to an ancient prophecy, the sacred child is destined to end the reign of the evil sorceress Queen Bavmorda. Now, with only a single swordsman at his side, Willow must overcome the forces of darkness that threaten to destroy anyone who stands in the Queen's way. So, I was trying to look for at least some quotes from Ron Howard and George Lucas kind of cementing what genre they thought this to be in. And they kind of casually a lot of times just talk about it being sort of an adventure film. So it's sort of something they almost take for granted. But there's a few quotes that I actually took from Willow, The Making of an Adventure, which I think was kind of like one of those TV specials that they used to run to kind of drum up interest in the movie before it came out, which is kind of funny because they don't really do those sort of things anymore. But I don't know if you're alive in the 80s, you kind of remember these sort of things as basically like they bought just it was like watching an infomercial for a movie that was coming up. But anyway, that's fine. So they had an interview on there with both Ron Howard and George Lucas talking to him. And Ron Howard's comments about the movie were, I got a little action. You got a little action. You got a little adventure. You got a little magic. You got a couple of chuckles. Come on, folks, bring the whole family. And he's kind of doing his best, uh, you know, like uh, person at the circus who's trying to tell everybody to step right up. The name of what you would call that escapes me at the moment but so that was at least one thing i could find where he sort of describes it and then george lucas had to say about it well i'm interested in fantasy and in order to make fantasy work you have to create a kind of immaculate reality that exists for the moment of the movie without that the fantasy won't work which is kind of adjacent to this but he's obviously talking about and seems pretty cemented in the idea that this is the fantasy genre at least while talking about how conceptually you make that work in a film and then to back up my unfounded comments earlier about them probably co-directing this, I have a quote from Ron Howard and George Lucas again from the same special where Ron Howard says, when you've got a George Lucas you can turn to on the set, well, that's an unbelievable luxury and one that I really tried to take advantage of. And at the same time, George was very respectful of me and from the outset said, you're directing this movie, go do it, which it to me sounds like maybe he wasn't directing this movie entirely but that's, <laughs> that's fine. fine and then uh the george lucas side of that is a film that's this big is like a star wars film it's really beyond one person's ability to control everything and so i've sort of been here as a backup 
as a backstop for him to help clean up a lot of the details that, you know, sort of spill over. So I don't know, both of their comments kind of make me think that just further cement the idea. I think they probably kind of co-directed this really. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Take it or leave it. But that's kind of how it appeared to me. Um, Reception-wise, I found, at least for meta tags, at least seven places called This Adventure, five called The Fantasy, five called It Action, four called It Drama, one called It Family, one called It Sci-Fi, and one called It Dark Fantasy. And again, that's looking at basically how various stream streaming services label this film in their catalogs. And then uh, we usually take a look at the Google search trends because horror movies tend to get a bump in October, although that's not always a foregone conclusion. Willow, there really wasn't any sort of strong pattern, but if I had to pick out anything, it actually seemed like it got less searches every October is kind of the thing I saw most. Interesting. So with all of that in mind, we'll go through and see what everyone has to say, whether or not they think this is horror. Uh, as you have noticed, our good friend Brianna has not joined us for this episode, but she will be back hopefully next time. But I did pull her beforehand, and I'm just going to read her comments real quick, where she says, Not horror, but definitely Val Kilmer's best work right after his turn as Doc Holliday in Tombstone. I quote this movie all the time. And then she has a quote from the movie. I stole it from a stupid Nankini where I'll, while he was taking a pee-pee. <laughs> That's <laughs> uh, She said, the cast is fucking magical. Warwick Davis is the fucking man. And when my friends are inebriated, I tell them, you are drunk. And when you are drunk, you forget I am in charge. So those are Brianna's comments on the movie. Votes not horror. She's with us in spirit, if not in person. So what did everybody else think? Uh, I also do not think this is horror. I, it's great, but yeah, pretty firmly in the fantasy realm uh, for me. I also agree. I don't think it's horror. It gave me uh, kind of a lot of vibes, even like Army of Darkness we were talking about, which we kind of all decided had some horror elements, but definitely wasn't full-on horror. Um, so I just think it's more of a fantasy kind of thing not horror i agree i don't think it's horror i don't think it's horror i do think it's fantasy but i don't think it's dark fantasy i agree i don't think that this movie is horror um yeah i i agree with mitts too i don't think i'd even go so far as to say it's dark fantasy either i think it's just out and out fantasy with that in mind, it being fantasy, and we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but I guess, or not last week, but uh, two episodes ago when we did the Black Cauldron, is we talked about fantasy and horror and their kind of relationship to each other. And so I wanted to delve into that a little bit more since we're doing sort of a full live action fantasy movie this time around. And so uh, I guess this one's kind of the sort of thing where... It's a little hard to say, but we can kind of give our at least our opinions on it. I guess what do you feel like probably came first, the genre of fantasy or the genre of horror? And, uh, you know, you've got old fairy tales, fantasy. Sometimes they have a horror tone to it. Grim fairy tales is an example of that. I guess which do you feel like probably came first in that arena? 
I feel like fantasy and horror and fairy tales are kind of all so closely interwoven. I mean, when you really look, for example, at like Disney movies and you see the Disney movie and then you hear the story that they're actually based on, there's always like so much that could be called horror in them. So I don't know if one necessarily came before the other one. I think in olden times when these stories, a lot of these stories first originated, I think a lot of them were used to scare children and things like that. And like people like just didn't give a shit really about like how badly they were going to scare their kids. They'd be like, oh yeah, that, there's a witch in the woods and she's going to eat you and skin you alive and turn your eyes into lollipops and shit. So like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that kind of all is maybe happening at the same time in stories. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to put it. I think they kind of originated from the same time and the same motivations, I guess, and kind of walked hand in hand for a long time. And maybe it's a more recent thing that they've kind of split off and horrors become its own thing and I don't know. Maybe that's an argument for fantasy maybe came first, but maybe not. I, I don't know. Maybe I need to think about that a little bit deeper. But uh, I guess I do think that they really are just super close to each other. Uh, I think we'll get into some of those differences, but uh, yeah, I'll leave it there for the moment. I guess for me, the way that I think about it, I think about the way humans kind of try and make sense of their world. We try and dissect what it is we're experiencing and try and put, you know, the way our minds kind of work, we need to compartmentalize things. We need to figure out where something goes to understand it. And so I can kind of see on one side was the first impulse to start telling each other stories to look at something like the sun and say, hey, why does that go overhead? And then basically fantasy was born when we tried to say, well, there's there's a person up there that exists and they sleep like we sleep. We know we sleep, so why, why wouldn't it sleep too? And then suddenly fantasy was born. Or if the first impulse was to, you know, we all get scared and we all have people that we care about, so maybe that first impulse of the very first people was to say like, maybe there is something terrible in the woods there, maybe even half believing in ourselves, And so telling that story, don't go that way. Someone went that way once and they never came back. And now let's come up with the reason why, but it's that same sort of impulse, right? Of we don't understand the world around us. We only have so much information we can take in and get out. So let's try and come up with something that makes sense in terms of our understanding to be able to explain it, not necessarily trying to lie to anybody else in those early instances of humanity, but just trying to tell what made the most sense to us. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to say which impulse got served first. Was it fear or was it curiosity? It's hard to say. So we talked in the Black Cauldron episode about how fantasy and horror do share some of the same basic elements, usually in the sort of antagonists you find in the world, but what other shared elements do you feel that there are? 
I was just going to say, I think one similarity is often like a supernatural element. It's not always, and horror doesn't always have supernatural, and we talk about that plenty on, on our show, but uh, I th- I guess I, I see that as a, I don't know, a common thread in a lot of instances. If we're talking about uh, Willow specifically, one of the only moments that I found to be kind of horrifying was the body horror when the people were being changed into pigs so i guess i could say that something that horror and fantasy have in common is kind of like you said the supernatural element but especially like dark magic um or just just unnatural magic or unnatural supernatural changes because that was freaky i did not like that part (laughs) I think you could say they overlap in that a lot of them are a good versus evil tale at their core. There's tension building. Sometimes you have monsters. Sometimes you have your main characters threatened with death or dismemberment or some other horrible fate. So I guess I would say that's kind of what ha- what's in common. There's definitely a lot that differs, but we might get to that later on (laughs) i guess for me i think one of the core elements that tends to exist in both fantasy and horror is the tacit acceptance that there is both good and evil i think there are other genres that play with those things but to have them such be such a tangible force i think feels maybe maybe a bit unique or at least a common thread between those two genres that they just both accept that that concept is there good and evil. And, uh, so yeah, I guess that's the thing that comes to mind most for me. And yeah, I I guess that's a general concept rather than specific element, but yeah. Uh, That makes sense. And like in horror, like, uh, you know, you even get like, well, if you're, you know, if you're being good, then, you know, you, or at least, you know, some early horror, maybe that's not true of a lot of things, but anyways, like if you're being good, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, not sleeping around, not doing drugs or whatever, then you're, you're safe because you're being good. Anyways, uh, kind of, I guess that morality lesson that we kind of touched on as well. Yeah. I also think Horror has, like you said, horror has more of that sense of hopelessness to it. And I think probably the major difference between fantasy and horror is that fantasy can remove you so much from your own world that you're living in that maybe some of the same types of fear don't hit you, like they're not as relatable when you're in this world with like magic and dragons and castles so much as, you know, a creepy guy in a mask staring at you from behind a bush on your street where you live. So I think that's kind of like one of the major differences is that we can relate a lot more to what's happening in horror films, like where it's just kind of this one element that presents itself that maybe is supernatural. We don't know. Versus fantasy where you're like, okay, well, 
I know that I'm not going to have a witch that does magic come after me in a castle and there won't be dragons and things like that. So I think that's kind of the relatability element that makes them different. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I think, yeah, it's a horror if it is trying to scare you and plenty of horror is. Yeah, they want to get you where you live, so to speak, emotionally. They want you to be able to relate to those circumstances. That's true. Whereas fantasy, it's like there's signposts every few, you know, every few miles in the story reminding you that this is not the world you see around you and they don't expect you to relate to it on that level. Yeah, and I think that that's why you can see like nearly the exact same thing happening in a fantasy film as in some horror films, and it doesn't hit you like it's horror. I think maybe that's the same reason, too, that you get people that look at sci-fi and say that sci-fi can't be horror is for that same relatability idea. I mean, we talked about it a little bit with Alien, the idea of none of us are probably going to experience being on a spaceship. I don't know, maybe something will happen, but most of us probably won't experience that. And so even though it's at the end of the day, uh, animal that's running around killing everyone in an area that you can't entirely escape because it's put in an area that we don't experience, then I think a lot of people look at it and say, like, it's not even horror because of that. It's It's got too many of these sci-fi trappings so i'm just looking at it as purely that even though if you put that creature suddenly as awakening in a cave on earth and terrorizing a town that is isolated then everyone would say yeah that's definitely horror so i i think the setting plays into it a lot and there's probably i know it kind of informs that relationship too yeah that's i don't know i that's interesting and like i always kind of think it's funny that sci-fi and fantasy get grouped together but maybe that's maybe that's a good like common thread for them is that they are you know it is just a slightly different setting but there's a lot of the same bones there i guess another thing going back to the good and evil idea i guess personally i feel that fantasy is sort of has a tacit promise that good will conquer evil eventually and in horror, you don't get that same promise. And I was kind of curious if you guys all agree or disagree with that idea. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think there's definitely more of a feeling in horror that your characters could actually die. And there's not that much in fantasy. And usually if somebody dies in fantasy, there's some kind of loophole that gets them out of it. Like... Like Gurgi, for example. Huh. Rip Gurgi. Munchings and crunchings. <laughs> There's a reason that fantasy protagonists are called heroes and horror protagonists are called survivors. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it doesn't imply that it's a happy ending. Yeah, that's true. It's like in the name there. <laughs> I think I think I agree mostly with that, but I I think in a lot of horror there still is a little bit of a like you know the there's gonna be a final girl there's gonna be you know often there's somebody who makes it through often the horror will get defeated in some one way or another that's not always true uh, 
I, I think it's almost always true in fantasy, uh, but uh, but yeah, I think there still is a little bit of a kind of implication that there will be a survivor, I guess. And there are tropes within horror that do support that idea. I agree. The final girl trope being obvious, like like you said, it's a big one there. And so usually you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, maybe the girl will survive. But I think horror is happy to break that rule plenty of times, both consciously and unconsciously. I think of just as one of those examples, at least, at least for me personally, is thinking of the original Evil Dead. Spoilers for that movie and spoilers for Willow, if I haven't said already. But when you watch that movie for the first time, Cheryl is the final girl. She's got final girl energy. She should be the one that survives that movie up until she turns into the demon first. And so I think that that's one of the things that makes that movie kind of interesting because it's really a little bit before the whole final girl concept is codified. But when you just see a horror movie that does break that rule, it's definitely gives you a little bit more of an emotional reaction than you're expecting because I think you do sort of have some people figure, you know, at least one of those good people is going to conquer it. But yeah, it's not a foregone conclusion. You have enough of these exceptions floating around that you always have to ask yourself, well, maybe this horror movie, yeah, there's the final girl trope, but maybe this one's not going to do it because they don't all do it. Just enough of them don't do it that you're in doubt. Yeah, horror's more willing to leave you guessing. I I agree with that. Um, I guess it's still maybe a a thing for me where it's like it. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought a little bit. But uh, there's there's still enough of an implication that somebody's going to survive that when they don't or when it does like end on a total downbeat or on a total you know everybody dies or something like that. It's still it still takes me a little bit by surprise, maybe not a hundred percent, but uh, but yeah, that that's not true of fantasy. Fantasy nearly always has to be a happy ending. So looking at Willow specifically and the concept of tension, because that's usually something we discuss as far as horror movies go, with it being a fantasy film, or at least feeling like a fantasy film. Does the promise that good will conquer evil, the tacit promise, does that undermine the tension in Willow for you? Or did you feel like that that promise didn't seem to hold true on this one? Where did you end up on that? I can't say I was ever really uh, in fear that any of the main characters would have be in any real danger throughout it. So, yeah. Yeah, same. I did think there would be more death than there was. I can say that. I'm not sure why I had that feeling. I I guess I was kind of comparing it to Black Cauldron in my mind. Which I would consider dark fantasy. But it was a bit different. I guess uh, for me, like the... There was still... uh, Like, I... I, Yeah, I guess maybe it did undermine the tension a little bit. Because I agree, I didn't really fear for anybody that much um but there i mean there were some fairly dark things and like like we've kind of mentioned there's like the the body horror with the pigs and that kind of thing and like that feels pretty that's a pretty downbeat note and 
some of that other things. Like, I, I don't know. I guess I still didn't think anybody was going to be in that much danger. So that's why I, f- I think I feel like it's just a adventure fantasy. But yeah. And then I think another thing that you get in fantasy as well is that you set up an antagonist that feels like the sort of character that your protagonist could defeat. Maybe it'll be difficult, but you want them to be at least somewhat on even footing. And so we're kind of curious, does that a thing that you feel like usually happens in fantasy? Do you feel like you see that much in horror? Uh, It kind of goes into a little bit of when we've talked about horror heroes before and how they don't necessarily happen a lot, but do you feel like uh, in horror and in fantasy that your protagonists and your antagonists are usually on equal footing? I do feel like that's a big difference. I feel like fantasy usually uh, has more even scales and they're you know, maybe your main character is not like the big, the big hero. You know, it's your main character's Frodo and you're going up against Sauron, but also there's Gandalf in the mix. So I don't know. I feel like there in fantasy, that's a much more common thing. There's something out, uh, something balancing the scales. I would, I don't know. That's a hard question because I feel like in, in horror, a lot of the times the, the footing is way off. You, you know that your survivors are going to be way less equipped to fight um, the bad guys. But in fantasy, I feel like that's also kind of a common trope. I mean, a lot of the times in fantasy, it's like just some guy who is like the chosen one or whatever who has to go fight the, the big baddie who everybody's just afraid of um but also a lot of the times that some guy be it you know frodo baggins harry potter a willow they're always they also always have something that gives them power to bring them to that level and that's not something you usually see in horror okay well let's talk about the antagonist of this film then with that in mind so we've got Queen is Queen Bob Marta. I'm going to say everyone's names wrong because, you know, full disclosure, this is my first time seeing this movie. I didn't grow up with it. So sorry I'm getting all the names wrong. But so you've got the evil queen. And uh, I think at least for me, she's probably the most horror-esque aspect of this film. But at the same time, too, for me, she does feel very defeatable by our characters because she's got power but she's very selective of when she uses it because the strongest magic that our heroes have is is plot armor really because she pulls her punches whenever she needs to so that's the thing i guess i thought of while watching it is like she's the most horror aspect of this film but she's pulling her punches a lot so i guess that's what i was curious what did you guys feel about her what was your take on her does she feel like a horror character living in a fantasy film does she feel like a straight horror character does she not feel like a horror character at all she gets a little creepy towards the end but it also takes away from the creepiness and she just gets punched in the face by razzle razzle (laughs) razzle like they're just having like Mitzi and I were just laughing about that. They're just having like a fist fight when they ha- when they can both do magic. So I think 
it's almost comedic. So I don't know, it kind of takes away from what would the moment where she maybe would have solidified herself as a horror villain. She's just getting like slap boxed by this other old lady. I guess I don't know. Maybe they just didn't show it well enough. But I I I, I agree with what you're saying. But I guess it's sort of a like they end up being on kind of equal footing. I guess I'm not, I didn't ever feel like she was necessarily pulling her punches or that she wasn't powerful. It was just like, they tried to use magic on each other. You know, uh, Bav Morta tried to burn, uh, what's her face? Finn, um, Finn Rizal. Uh, and then Rizal tries to freeze her, but none of that's working. And they're like both using a lot of magic. Uh, but they're just too equal on that. So it devolves into just like a punching and slapping and choking match. But I don't know. I guess all that doesn't doesn't feel to me like she's necessarily pulling your punchers. I mean, she can turn a whole army into pigs, I guess. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, maybe that is pulling your punches. Because if she can do that, then why not just like make it so their hearts stop beating and just have them all fall dead. So... I don't know. Yeah, I guess I can see that now that I'm talking through it out loud. <laughs> see, see, you see. You see how she pulls her punches. <laughs> you see how you scum. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I was thinking about, too, and I guess I'm jumping around a little bit on my outline, but it's worth talking about because of what her main plan is in this story is... Uh, well, all right, I'll, I'll ask this first. Do you feel like there is something in the film that's more of a horror element than uh, Buff Morta and her actions? Uh, you already know mine. It's the pigs. The body horror. But it, it's at least something she does, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. I don't think anything else is really horror either. I guess... The trolls, maybe, sort of, but not really. They kind of look like they were out of 2001 A Space Odyssey when they first show up for me. I don't know. I have to look at comparison one-on-one, but for some reason I got those vibes. It was like what my mind went to immediately when I saw them. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, like, the Hydra in the one castle, I think that Hydra maybe is leaning a little bit more towards horror than fantasy the way that it looks but still fantasy more than horror i'd say okay well so i definitely want to talk about each of those elements but we'll go over to uh queen above marta and her oh man i'm sure someone out there is listening to this and like he's getting it wrong every damn time i'm sorry i know it's your favorite movie you came here you're excited about the series and i'm just butchering the hell out of this name i apologize I- I th- I guess I'd pronounce it Bav Morda. I I could be wrong too, though. I will I will defer to you, Bav Morda. It always made me a little. It made me chuckle a little bit because it sounded like Bad Morda, and it's felt a little too on the nose. Um, but anyways, <laughs> that's how I've always yeah. heard it. I guess that'd be like naming a character character Bad Mardigan. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to maybe call her the evil queen going forward. So we'll just do it (laughs) like that. So her whole plan is she's going to kill this baby, which 
that is a very dark thing, obviously. And I wanted to explore that a little bit and why that does or doesn't feel horror-esque. So I guess my first question involved with that, was there any question in your mind that the Evil Queen was planning to kill Alora? No question for me. I thought definitely the baby was on the chopping block. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think if they were gonna, if she did get her, she was gonna do it. She had like a cool little like platform for it and everything. I thought she was gonna eat her at one point. So, you know, (laughs) she had her knife out and everything. Okay. Yeah, knife and fork. She was ready. She was tucking the napkin in the front of her shirt. She just needed to marinate a little bit. I thought it was interesting the way that they kind of chose to describe it and the way that they tried to deal with that. Because I wrote down what the intro, the intro crawl sort of is, because there's a lot of Star Wars parallels here, George Lucas. But anyway, definitely, definitely. <laughs> the opening crawl, you know, is even though it's not crawling, says it is a time of dread. See, yeah, even in that. Anyway, Sears have foretold the birth of a child who will bring about the downfall of the powerful Queen Bovmarda. Seizing all pregnant women in the realm, the evil queen vows to destroy the child when it is born. So specifically, it uses the word destroy. It doesn't say kill, doesn't say murder, it goes with destroy. And even during the final sequence, when she is having that showdown with Willow, she's not talking about killing the child, she's talking about sending the baby to another world. And then killing the child doesn't involve stabbing it, doesn't involve drowning it, it involves some sort of nebulous, really undescribed ritual. So I don't know, I feel like while it was clear to me that she planned on killing the child, it felt a little to me, at least for my first viewing of this film, that they kind of went out of their way to keep from having to actually say, kill the child, kill the baby. Am I am I wrong? Did you guys catch that kind of language being used in here, or am I just selectively skipping it? I mean, I didn't catch it, but I, I catch it now that you point it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I can see what you're saying about it not being uh, like explicitly described as killing, uh, but I guess I don't know. Destroy is k- pretty killy. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. I, I guess like we all kind of said, like the implication is that we all felt like the implication was that the baby would be killed. But I, again, I see what you're saying. It's not, it's not that explicit. It's like they're trying to say it without saying it, you know, and I'm thinking of horror movies like The Witch, where basically they all but show you show you that the witch basically ground up a baby into a fine chutney paste for herself. (laughs) So I guess my curiosity is if the way that they chose to present that information lended it one way or the other to you, if uh, they had been maybe just more explicit about saying she's going to kill the child and then. She gets the child and is holding a dagger over it. Would that have made it feel like, oh, this is definitely horror? Whereas trying to avoid using the word kill and then having it be a vague ritual of some sort, sending it to the netherworld, does that make it feel more in the fantasy genre? I think those tr- there were choices made specifically there with how they worded it and how they presented it. Also, you could see those choices echoed in how blood is presented in the film 
whenever there's fighting, you never see anybody drawing blood or pools of blood. And when you do see blood on anyone, it's there and you haven't actually seen how it got to be there. It's just on Willow's face or on Mad Mardigan's hands, uh, but you didn't see how it got there. So I think a lot of that is around it being fantasy and probably more around it getting a whatever PG rating this got. So, And then I guess just in regard to the whole tension building concept, and we sort of covered it, but to get more specific on this instance, did you think there was any chance that the queen was going to succeed in killing Alora? No. Yeah, it never felt like she was in, like, real danger. Because then Willow would have failed at his task, and the movie wouldn't be named after him, and this whole thing would have been a waste of time. It would have been called How Willow Failed. (laughs) And that would have been a more depressing film, and maybe that would have been horror. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the body horror scene with people being turned into pigs, and I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit. So we've kind of we're describing it a little bit as body horror, um, but I also wanted to kind of compare it to films that people usually more think of when they think of body horror. I was trying to make sure to reference ones that I, I think we probably all would have seen. So hopefully this is the case. Has everyone here seen The Fly or The Thing, or at least seen a film that they would consider? to be an actual body horror film. Uh, yeah. You've seen both. Seen The Fly. What is that movie with, uh, what is it called, Tusk? Yeah, Tusk. Yeah. <laughs> That's another weird one. So how does the pig scene in this film compare to something like those? Do you have to go that far to get a body horror label? I think the pig scene in this is the children's horror version of body horror. I I guess I still call it, I think I, for myself, I guess I still think of it as body horror. Uh, it's dialed down from those, the ones, the other ones we've mentioned for sure. Um, but it's, I guess it still, still is that to me, I guess. I mean, I I think it is body horror, but I don't think I would put ever put that in the tags of this movie because it's such a small moment that I don't think it tilts the scales any type of way. I I also think it's a little less body horror than your typical body horror because the transformation is like at the end they're all just like normal looking pigs, so I think like body horror might take you to like this weird pained half human half pig thing as your end result uh, versus just having them all become pigs. Well, cause I think the other thing is there is a long tradition in fairy tales of humans being turned into various creatures, various normal animals. I think of just as an example of this, the Emperor's new groove, right? He's turned into a llama throughout that film. You have a bunch of the soldiers being turned into those sort of things. Uh, you have, but then I think of Peter Pan, where the kids are turned into donkeys. And I think the relationship that this scene has to that scene is that normally in fantasy, when someone gets turned into an animal, even if it's a normal animal that you've seen, 
you don't get a lot of focus on the transition sequence, the pain that is experienced in that transition, and that is the thing that makes this scene feel a little closer to body horror than some of other fantasy animal to human transitions, which I would agree with what you said, Joe. This is like the children's horror version of body horror to me. Yeah, it's a step past like Emperor's New Groove where a pink flash appears and they're suddenly an animal. Um, You do get that like moment of, you know, Mad Mardigan mid transition and, you know, Sorsha like crumpled over in pain and that type of thing. And I think that you also get this standard fantasy version of it, right? When you watch Roselle being changed into various animals, there's no pain. She's still talking. She gets turned into a different animal and then it's funny. And she's just that version of that talking animal. So it's like you get the normal fantasy transition and then you get the body horror light version of that transition. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And then as I understand it, although I didn't quite have a, a verifiable source say it, supposedly the UK version of this actually cut sequences off of the pig transition scene because they thought that it was too intense. So I don't know, at least for this sequence, I go that there's like a small moment of horror in an otherwise fantasy film, but it's just not enough of the film to, to move the dial over to a whole different genre. All right. And then we talked about the, the Hydra that they fought. Is it a Hydra specifically? I guess it's a, it's a creature. It's kind of dragon-like. Did they say what it was called that they fight in the castle later? I don't think it's ever given a name besides monster. So at least as far as that monster fight goes, does that feel like something that, does that feel something out of a horror film? Does the creature feel like something out of a horror film? If it does, why? If not, why? Um, I did say earlier, I think the look of that creature is maybe uh, a little bit heading towards horror just because it, I don't know, especially like the transformation and how when he casts a spell on it and how it becomes that too is a little bit more kind of yuck gruesome body-ish horror um than other things in the movie but i still don't think it's straight horror or even that horror if anything it's maybe like 20 to 30 percent horror versus the rest being fantasy yeah uh i I don't know, Steve, you and I had the conversation beforehand. Like it reminds, it's like, if this is no more, this creature is no more horror than like the Rancor in Star Wars, which, you know, another, I guess, I don't know, similarity between this and Star Wars, but yeah, it felt similar to that, I guess. Yeah, it really reminded me a lot of that fight sequence in Return of the Jedi, it just, it had a similar sort of feel to me. I do think that that thing is a little, a little scarier slash meant to be horrific than the Rancor. Just my opinion. The moment where like the thing pops out of the water and then like Mad Mardigan sees it and like all the, all the evil soldiers see it and they all run out together. Like it felt like 
it's similar to like some of the Star Wars stuff too, where like Han Solo like runs with the stormtroopers, and I don't know. Anyways, well, one thing is definitely clear that when George Lucas thinks of a male and female love interest, that all he can conjure up is a is a strong female princess type and a scoundrel type male. <laughs> <laughs> And a hate-to-love arc. Maybe he's always fancied himself a bit of a princess and his wife has been a bit of a scoundrel. <laughs> That's probably what it is. So overall, watching this film, what kind of tone do you feel like it was aiming for? I think it's in that quote that you said uh, from Ron Howard. You know, it's got all these things adventure whatever i don't uh, sorry i don't like guess i could look look at the exact quote but the point is the end part of it is bring the whole family um you know that just that line i think says what tone they were going for a uh, light-hearted adventure for for anybody to that's accessible for anybody do you feel like the overall introduction to the film was was that more of a fantasy feel was it a darker feel more of a horror film because there's a lot of heavy material right up front in those first five minutes of the film yeah you get like all the women who are imprisoned like the you know bav morta just is like kill the mom and we're gonna go sacrifice the baby and then the midwife runs off and then the midwife gets killed by the dogs like there's yeah there's a lot it's a lot darker in those five minutes than I think the rest of it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really just don't think Bob Morda is, is horror. I don't know. She she just gives gives off the same kind of vibes as like the the evil queen and uh what's the movie? Sleeping Beauty or it's just it's kind of the same vibe. I don't really feel that she's horror. Yeah, I agree. I I definitely She's definitely kind of like a quintessential evil queen. I mean, if we're calling her horror, then we have to call Maleficent horror because she turned into a dragon. So, I mean, come on. That's that's scary. <laughs> but I don't think either of them are horror. I think because it's George Lucas, you get a lot of these Star Wars parallels. And I think for me, she feels... She feels about as horror as the Emperor, as Emperor Palpatine. And then she's got, you know, her Darth Vader go get shit done piece out there. And then, of course, you got Mad Mardigan as Han Solo. And you got the Brownies, or R2-D2, and C-3PO, and Willow's Luke, and Sorsha's Princess Leia. Like, you, you've got everybody there, and everyone's fairly correlated. So, I don't know. It just felt like... Let's do Star Wars again, but let's do it in a fantasy setting since fantasy was almost always kind of the inspiration for Star Wars anyway, because you have, you know, the guy using the magic sword to go fight the dark evil, even in that. So it just it feels like a lot the same story with a lot of the same tone. So I guess for me, it really just never really approached feeling like horror, even when you hit some of those horror elements. Yeah. And when the queen starts getting all ritually, she starts looking like Palpatine too. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's getting pretty. Uh, her eyes are getting pretty sunken. I was like, she's any second she's gonna mutter, do it, and I'm gonna believe it. 
Yeah, do she it. she literally like started looking like Palpatine and calling electricity and shit. So <laughs> yeah. Anything else that anybody wanted to kind of talk about with this film? Any other, even if it's not related to whether it's horror or not. One thing that I was saying to Mitz while we were watching it is that I feel like a film like this, a fantasy film of this scope, I, I feel like it wouldn't get made today, one that isn't based on some kind of book or something like that. I feel like it just wouldn't get made, like an original kind of epic fantasy family tale like this. You don't, I don't know, I just don't see that come up too much in Hollywood anymore. I know Mitz was saying that she's seen some things like that on Netflix, but just wanted to bring that up. I would argue that, though, I don't think these kind of projects have ever really been attempted by anyone other than George Lucas, because, I mean, maybe a little bit, but a lot of the times when you think of the big series, you think of something that's inspired by a book. Well, Star Wars, he was just, like, throwing darts and seeing what stuck, and it stuck. And then he tried it again with Willow, and it was a beloved film, but it, it didn't really have the same sticking. Yeah, I mean, there are there are just a, a few major ones that I can think of where it was a sci-fi or fantasy that just was a movie. Like, you know, Back to the Future, this, uh, and Star Wars. I, I don't know, I can't think of too many, though, offhand. You're right. Too many fantasy, like huge fantasy franchises like Star Wars. Yeah. That were movies originally. Yeah. There's not that many. I think there's this whole sword and sorcery or sword and sandals genre that isn't hasn't really been a thing for a long time. That was kind of popular in the seventies and early eighties, and so you get films like uh Conan the Barbarian and Beastmaster and, and stuff like that that was coming out. But even to the point when they were making this in a similar vein, those movies were losing steam and weren't being produced as often. So it wasn't even particularly easy to make this film then, really. And it didn't really do that well in box offices and such. No, not at all. One thing I, I think about with some of this type of stuff is I feel like a lot a lot these days to to get your fantasy movie made or to get it like to be a big deal like you have to write a fantasy movie and, or a fantasy story and then slap a big name on it and and, and you know alter a few characters I, I guess the one that's coming to mind is the new lord of the rings series is and it's like it's not it's not like that it's total garbage like it's interesting but it doesn't feel like Lord of the Rings. I, it feels more like somebody wrote a completely different fantasy story and then they shoehorned in Lord of the Rings stuff into it to try and get it made. And I feel like that type of thing happens a lot uh, with with fantasy. It actually happens a lot with horror, too, because it's ridiculous how many horror franchises are comprised of sequels that were entirely different movies that people bought and they were kind of like, well, this is decent, but I think we can put this IP into it. I mean, even Saw 2 was not, they weren't writing a sequel to Saw. Someone wrote an entirely other movie and it got co-opted and put into a Saw movie. 
So the whole fact that there's even a Saw franchise is because they did that same thing and just like, let's take this script and pour some Saw coding over top of it, you know? So I don't know, maybe that's another way that fantasy and uh, horror related is taking whatever your concept is and just putting a nice candy coating for another franchise on it so you can keep going. Yeah. It's like there's plenty of fantasy stories out there. There's tons of, you know, everybody's, I mean, not everybody, but there's tons of, you know, one-off books or, you know, people love writing fantasy stories, but they just don't, they don't get made any, into anything or don't really take it off big unless you do that, it seems like, at least in Hollywood. And I think maybe that's partially at least Hollywood's penchant these days too. Everybody wants to make their own Marvel universe and they all want to follow that exact same formula which is take an existing IP with tons of information and turn it into a, you know, a whole universe expansion. And it seems like your main Hollywood studios, they don't want to take a risk on some brand new IP. They want basically done deal, sure things with built-in audiences that they can bring to life. And I think that they just keep not learning the lesson over and over again that, you can't just slap some name on it that everyone's familiar with and assume you're going to make all the money. It just doesn't work like that. There has to be a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, I I agree with that other than like, I mean, I think Amazon's still going to make a lot of money off the Lord of the Rings show, you know, even though it's not that good. Um, but they slap the name on it and <laughs> probably they're still making their money, unfortunately, which that, you know, just feeds into the whole problem of, yeah, well, they made enough money to keep doing this. So even though it's not great, uh, I don't know. So we have the Willow series that's coming up here in just a few days from when this releases. What, uh, how did you like the trailer? What are you excited for? What are you nervous about? Predictions? What do you think? Will it be horrible? I think it'll be cute. And I think it'll be family friendly. Not that the original wasn't family friendly. I just feel like the original, if if I was watching with young children, I would want to watch it with them because it seems a little bit, a little bit scarier. Not quite horror, but scarier. But this one seems pretty, um, I don't know, it just seems pretty chill. Something that you would see on Disney Channel. In a good way. <laughs> I think it's going to be cool. I, I, They did a really nice job on the trailer, I'll say, at least, if anything, if nothing else. Um, and I like the idea of revisiting Willow as a more uh, established... Uh, seasoned wizard i don't know if that's exactly where they're going to go with it but that's kind of how the trailer made it seem uh so yeah i kind of like that idea it seemed pretty epic from the trailer i do hope that they um find a way to tie those new characters into the old lore from the original movie because i really hate when like new stories come up and they just add random characters with no ties to the original. That's one of my gripes with the mo the recent Hocus Pocus movie. They just added characters that don't 
have anything to do with the original movie. So I hope that they find a way to tie, like, I don't know, are they related to Mad Mardigan? I don't know. It's kind of a, I'm interested to find out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd like to see, like, who are those actual characters. They make it seem like the one character, at least, is um, either the child of Alora or the grandchild. I don't know. But then that that begs the question of how old exactly is Willow. So, Or how long does the species live? Yeah, True. exactly. They do have Sorsha in there, too, um, as kind of the aged queen, but still can swing a sword. Um, And I think, you know, it's, well, I guess it's, I think, I thought it was in, I I may be reading into that in the wrong way, but I thought it was implied that one of our main characters was Sorsha's daughter. Uh, But I'm not certain of that, I guess, which would probably make it, make that character mad mardigan star there as well but uh i guess i i don't know for sure i thought i heard a line like that too now that you mention it yeah i'm excited for it and for all the reasons you guys said i i am a little nervous about i mean just that concept that we we just talked about about it being a somebody else's fantasy story that they're just throwing the title of willow on and putting some of the characters in i hope it doesn't end up feeling like that i hope like you said mitts like i hope they have it tied into the lore well and that it all makes it's all cohesive with the original story and i guess another note or thing i noticed about the trailer is like there is still like some like uh, there's the like big like ogrey creature that has like the cage over its head and like the big giant whips and it's like that feels like a horror character like that feels something i would have to fight in like a resident evil game or something like that yeah maybe a little bit of the influence of the witcher sneaking in there yeah exactly i think definitely visual effects and graphics are going to help move this more in the direction of dark fantasy if they want to go that way maybe even horror just because of what they can do now versus what was possible when the movie was made i will say the original writer on this film so obviously the story is by george lucas but the person who actually wrote the script for the film bob dolman he is working on this again he's at least credited with writing the second episode so i don't know if that will help kind of maintain the tone and have it not feel like it's some sort of fan fiction thing but you know you've got other writers in the room so maybe that will change it but i think uh let's see there's also jonathan kasdan who is uh let's see i was thinking that was somebody else here hold please oh that's that's worked on at least solo a star wars story for whatever that ends up being worth Just to say he's worked in the Lucasverse before. (laughs) Uh, At least for me, like, I kind of, I know there's the whole, like, new and old characters. I do kind of always think it's a little bit funny when you've got these worlds where there's this big, expansive world with all this lore and so many characters all wandering around and every adventure seems to center around just this same group of, like, half a dozen people. 
So, I mean, I do want connections to some of the previous characters, but it would be nice if we roped in some people that just didn't have anything to do with it, because that feels like, to me, that feels like more of what would really happen if this place really existed. Not everyone would be involved with any of this. You'd have people drug into it that just had no relation to the original adventure. True. But if they did that, I still would want some kind of, like, you know, expansion on if it's a if it's a new race or something like that. You want a mix of it. You want some people that are connected to the old characters, but you want some new people that didn't have any connection. Right. I guess I'm. I guess I'm saying if if they want if they add new characters to the cast, which they will, I would like it to be an expansion of the universe. Also, does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, Probably something. Not. Never mind. <laughs> people yeah. whose existence explain more of this world. Exactly. Which I think the trailer hints at some of those, some of those things, because like you know, it shows the whole like underground city. Like, what is that? You know, where? Who are these people? Um, and then there's the whole big giant city that has like the statue, and you know that's. That's not really in Willow uh, in the original movie, but it's, yeah, hopefully just feels like a natural expansion of the universe. I also want Willow to run into a leprechaun and I want him to make a wisecrack about it and then turn to the camera and wink. (laughs) It has to happen or it's a garbage series no matter what else happens. Or maybe he finds a teddy bear. Or he holds his wand and says swish and flick. (laughs) All of those things. Exactly. Every line he utters should just be a reference to another character he played. (laughs) Okay, so to end this episode, I wanted to do a quick is it horror lightning round talking about fantasy franchises. So the rules, you say yes or no, and you can only at most give a 30 second explanation on why you think it is. We'll do each thing and we'll go around to everybody. Is everybody ready? Yes. Aye, aye, Captain. Lord of the Rings film series, specifically the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Not horror. Not horror. Not horror. Dark fantasy. Well, yeah, sure. Dark fantasy. I would say no as well. Okay. Stardust. Not horror. Nope. Haven't seen it. Nope for me Ooh, as a well. a good one. You should see it, though. It is a good movie, yeah. I agree. It's Neil Gaiman. Can't go too wrong. Or can you? It's very charming. I think you would like it. Anyhow, go ahead. <laughs> the Witcher Netflix series. I think this comes the closest to fantasy horror in... Of the things I've seen. So, yes, horror. I haven't really watched... I, I think I only watched the first season of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really have an opinion. But I don't, I don't think it was horror, really. I did not watch the series on Netflix, but if I'm basing it on what I know about The Witcher, um, not horror. Dark fantasy. It's getting there. I don't know. That's a hard one. I would have to rewatch it. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on this, but I 
I'll say yes. I think that there's enough there. I think there's enough there to put it in that category, maybe. Okay, I didn't know if everyone had seen this one. It's been a while for me. The Dark Crystal. Oof, it's been a long time for me. I have seen it, but I I think no, but maybe I'd feel differently on a rewatch. I've never seen it. I don't think it's horror. Um, I don't like watching it because it freaks me out, but I don't think it's horror. I might go children's horror on that one. I could see that. It's just creepy. I don't know. I don't think it has the elements of horror. I don't know. All of these could be potential episodes. Well, if you're listening at home to this lightning round and feel like we should do an episode on any of these, let us know. And maybe we will. So, and we've got a few more to go. So let's move on to the Game of Thrones HBO series, the original series, not the new one. I haven't seen a lot of it, actually, but of what I've seen, I'm saying not horror. I think maybe of this whole list, that one, you could maybe make a case for horror. I don't know. I don't want to say horror because that feels like I'm labeling the entire series as horror when it's only one storyline. So, not horror, I guess, with a horror storyline. It's a nine-season-long zombie movie. <laughs> Is it, though? Yes. It should There's have so been. so much more going on. <laughs> I, I say no, but there's a strong case to be made for certain sequences. Oh, man, that scene later in the series, and Jon Snow first, like, looks the Night King in the eye, like, oh, that's, that's just great. That is a very horror moment to me. I get chills, and it's not just because they're in the far north. Okay, probably the least horror thing on this list, The Princess Bride. Not horror, but, you know, it's awesome. No. Not horror. Not horror. Yeah, not at all. Okay, the Harry Potter film franchise. And we're talking the ones based on the Harry Potter named books, not Fantastic Beasts. Mm, not horror. Maybe a few elements here and there, but not horror. Not. I th- yeah, go ahead. That's it. Not horror. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Uh, no, but I do think it does have some horror elements throughout. Maybe you didn't nut up. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Maybe. You better no, just shut up, just old nut up. <laughs> I'd say no, but there's definitely some elements in there. I think... Yeah, there, there's elements, but I overall I'd say no. And I, I couldn't say yes for any of the films, although maybe the third film veers the closest because of the tone and the cinematography. See, I would have said maybe the fifth film if I was going to categorize one as the most horror. That'd be my next one. Fifth or third, yeah, definitely agree. Okay, I don't know if everyone's seen this one, but Spirited Away... I, I'm going to say maybe children's a horror. Like, I think it's there on that one. Yeah, I think also children's horror. I'm on the fence about it, though. I've never seen it. I'd say maybe I'd maybe go to children's horror on that one. I'd be interested to see how an episode on that one shakes out. 
I'll 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 settle on children's horror for that. The Wizard of Oz, the 1939 version, oh, probably geez. the one everyone's okay. really seen. Um, <laughs> gonna go with a nope. Not horror intentionally. <laughs> flying flying monkeys are a little scary, though. You know, I remember as a kid being afraid of some scenes in that movie. Yeah. I am gonna go. I'm gonna go no on that one. Yeah, that like I said, like you said, Matt. There's some elements there, but no for that film. And then, well, I'm gonna end on that note rather than go on any further. So I think that was a good lightning round. But uh, the reason we end on the Wizard of Oz is lead into our next episode, where we are gonna be talking about Return to Oz. So uh, we'll see how everyone comes off on that. But uh, so anyway, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed this fantasy is it horror lightning round. Like I said, if there's any of those you think we ought to devote an episode to, let us know. Uh, Let us know what you thought of the Willow series and what you think of the original film. But uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of Is It Horror? And we will see you in two weeks for Return to Oz. Uh, I have been Steve. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. And I'm Mitt. Bye. Bye. Peck, 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 peck. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all those who celebrate. (laughs) Have a safe Black Friday. Happy Black Friday to those who celebrate. Have a miserable Black Friday. Die with capitalism! Thanks for joining us at Is It Horror? We post new episodes every other Friday. Think we didn't give this movie a fair shake? Think we missed something? Do you have a suggestion for future episodes? Or did you just want to say hi? If so, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at IsItHorrorPod, or you can email us at IsItHorrorPodcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay safe and keep asking yourself, Is It Horror?